Good afternoon. We were just driving by, thought we'd stop in and have some lunch. Welcome to Lydia's Last Guest, the podcast reviewing and breaking down the HBO series Lovecraft Country. I'm Daryl. I'm Rosalind. I'm Sean. Today we're going to be going over the fifth episode of this series, A Strange Case. This episode focuses mainly on Ruby. We get some Atticus, some Letty, a little Montrose. We don't get any D or Hippolyta in this episode. So I'm guessing they're probably going to say that for the next one. Overall, what do we think about this episode? Like just raw feelings about it, straight up. The first thing I thought was just shedding your skin literally and metaphorically. It was just exposure. It was release. It was horror of what you released, you know. I'm sorry. I just watched it for the first time. It was... It was very, very interesting. It blew me away. It was a really, I, to me, this is my favorite episode. Yeah, because I know how much you liked the right. last episode. Yeah, this is, yep, yep, yep. This this by far blew it away. This is my favorite episode. I love that the theories that we craft, that came to fruition. From beginning to end, like, I really don't have no complaints about this episode at all. Like, this show entirely has just been mind-blowing. Yeah, they don't waste any time, like, as far as any of the revelations. Anything that we thought that we were, mm-hmm. anything we, anything we were um, theorizing from the first two episodes, they kind of, like, tied up in the third episode. Yeah. Anything we thought in the third episode, they kind of tied up now. Tied up by now. They're definitely keeping the story going. There's not, like, any fluffer episodes or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really respecting that. And that's kind of why I think this is only going to be and one season. I love the- how fast everything is going. I love the consistency with the episodes, too. From what I expected the show was going to be to what we got right now, it's a very cohesive story. From what I expected, I thought I was going to get tell some crit. I got a hint of that. I got a hint of that. But it's a cohesive story. So I got tell some crit to the max. Like, if you watch tell some crit and every episode connected. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not an anthology series. It's yeah. definitely not that. yeah. But each each episode has a different tone. It's a different yes. genre. Yes, v- very different tone, very different genre. But they all fall into the gr- whole grand scheme of uh, the sh- of this show. Oh, like yeah. I like from what I was told that I was going to walk into. Like I said, I thought I was going to walk into Tales the Crypt. It was an anthology. Like everything's going to be different. It's going to be and like you said, very loosely connected. From like right. in the books, everything's very loosely connected, as you said. Yeah, I mean like, each chapter. Yeah, the, the chapters aren't aren't linear. Like, one chapter doesn't take you into the next one. Yeah. It just has the same characters. Yeah. But what the show is doing, I mean, I definitely see what people will say about, like, Twilight Zone vibes and stuff like that. Mm. Because the tone is so radically different from episode to episode. Yeah. Like, this episode feels nothing like the last episode. Yeah, like, episode feels nothing like the Haunted House episode. No. Right. So, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, I definitely see what they mean in making those comparisons. One thing I need to start taking note: who's directing which episodes? Yeah, like, that, I, I, I want I, I want to find out who who it is because like I like their work and I'm curious to see I think, their future I think projects. This episode, I think this episode was Jordan Peele. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, he didn't direct this one. Uh, this one was a female director. Um, I, I can't remember what her name is off the top of my head. 
Um, but that was something that I wanted to start making note of was who the directors are of each of yeah. the episodes. Because Misha is writing most of the television. Yeah. yeah. So we know yeah. which we know. But I need to see whose eye is visually bringing this to me. You can write anything down on paper, but I want to know who's going to read it and say, yeah, you know what, I can transition this to screen. If you don't already, with you saying that, wanting to know whose eye this is shot mm. and stuff like that, start looking up cinematographers. Mm. You know, uh, it, it's it's just, really, really cool like to see the consistency in the c- mm. cinematographer's work. Not to get off subject, but, but like when Game of Thrones is out. So when each season of Game of Thrones came out, I could see the director's and I knew that because I followed it so much, I knew that work. So I knew the tone of each episode per se. If it was, if it was a particular director, they say, oh, he's going to direct episode three. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a battle episode because right. you know the director. Like, you're like, this is what he specializes in. I'm loving this show right now. I'm blown away. Like, I think episode two, I had a conversation with Daryl when I said, like, I'm, a, I'm bought in, I'm sold. And this episode right here just solidified that. Let's go to the breakdown. Yeah. All right, cool. So the episode opens up with, at first I thought it was Dell, but now it's Hillary because this is the same actress that played Dell in episode two. Mm. Right. From the I didn't recognize movie. that initially. And, I was like, and then after I looked at it, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, okay. So I think that's going to tie in some kind of way too. Like they're using all the same people. Like I I caught that when I first seen it. I was like, oh, crap. They brought her back. I like, they brought her back. And, but mm-hmm. then when I realized what was going on, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so uh-huh. we get Ruby waking up, freaking out, because now she's in the body of a white woman. And uh, how does she notice? Oh, the sun was coming in on the her summer. face. And she put her hand up. Right. And the sun was white. Stands up, falls, runs to a mirror. She's convinced she's dreaming, tells herself to wake up like three times. And uh, then we get the title sequence, which now it's Strange Case. And that's a reference to the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. And this chapter in the book is Jekyll and Hyde Park. Hyde Park's a section in Chicago where I want to say in the 1950s and 60s, there was a huge black population and they did urbanization there. And the, I believe the income of the residents by average went up 70% but the population of the black people in it went down 40% because of um, the housing developments and everything they pretty much did away with. Um, So that's the chapter in the book where this comes from. And in the title card sequence, we see Ruby's face and we see a bunch of butterflies. So basically tipping off to us that this whole episode's main theme is pretty much metamorphosis. Then when we come back, we see Hillary on the south side of Chicago. And that bugged me out in the beginning because I was like, wait, where is this house at that she comes out and she's home again? But right. apparently she caught the bus or, or made her way to the south side of Chicago somehow and then gets picked up by the cops who take her back to William. And as she's changing back, You Belong to Me by Patience and Prudence is playing. Anybody have any creepy thoughts? song? Yeah, I did. Very creepy song. <laughs> yes. One thing I say, I love the soundtrack for this entire series. The music, each music fit the scene perfectly. Um, I felt like with the with the music playing as she's being taken back to William, it's almost like even before that, it was like her realizing that you know she was a white woman and her her privilege right away of just protecting that little black boy. But also realizing I'm still a woman. 
So the cops aren't really listening to me. I'm just delicate little flower, so I can't possibly be making sense. So it was like the song playing in the background, like You Belong to Me, almost like taking her power away and just driving her back to William like that. It was just like, okay, that kind of like, you're lower, you know, when you're black, but on top of that, you're less than a man still. You're a woman, you know? Right. Yeah, that brings back to the first, I think the first episode, me and you kind of had the same conversation, Daryl, when I said, when you look at how in 1954, the hierarchy in society was. Yeah, white man, like, white woman. Or you had the white man, man, yeah, you had the white woman, there, black man, black woman. And this just brought it back into full circle. And you got to see it play out. Yeah, you see, you see Ruby uh, jump a couple rungs in the hierarchy. And you see that it's still not quite at the top. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, what happens? William opens up that door, picks her up, brings her into the house. And as she's going into the house, she's starting to go through her change. As she's going through her change, we hear on the television someone talking about, what is it, 16 million Kenyan locusts? That are, yeah, the yeah, locust migration. From, migration, right, from North mm, Africa yeah. into Great Britain. Mm. Um, and sorry, so we see Ruby Shed and as the newscasters playing. And then in our next scene, we get Montrose sitting in Yahima's room, still with blood on his hands. Piece of shit, Montrose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yo, Montrose. So Atticus <laughs> and Letty come into the room. They want to know where Yahima is. He says, gone. Letty, like, I don't know why she didn't Let, piece things yeah. together. Letty seemed one, like one of the smarter people in the show. And then when that scene happened and she didn't, like, piece it together, it kind of set me back where you could have seen, like, the his body language, how disturbed he was by everything. Right. He still like, had blood on his hands. Yeah, he still had blood on his hands. She's like, oh, he just let her, she just, he just let her go. No. And nobody's concerned that this ancient being is yeah. out in the world with cars and all this stuff. And she's just like, oh, she, he just let her go. We, we shouldn't have had her anyway. Like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're not, shouldn't you think, don't you think you should go find her? Like, right. Yeah, yeah so we that, search. She's saving all their behinds. And we get to a point where she just got caught up. Like she maybe she, well, they came in kind of happy. Maybe she was just caught off guard. And, yeah, true. You know, things were just kind of going good for once. And, you know. Yeah, then Atticus asked about those pages. Uh, Montrose just looked at him. And then Atticus proceeded to beat the shit out of his father. And, um. Oh, it um, Like you said last week, that was, that was little boy Atticus. Yeah. fighting back, you know, able oh, yeah. to, you know, do what he wanted to do all those years to his dad after getting a beaten or, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. you said, you know, fantasize about being able to do that. So that was that was some definitely pent up frustration. But at the same time, when you know the um, severity of the situation that you're in and you're like, yo, we're, we got our backs against the wall. We need to get some guns too. And everything I'm doing to protect you and help you, you're crossing me. You're not helping the situation at all. Yeah, but I don't think Atticus beating Montrose's ass had no, no. do it. Yeah, it, was, it was, I yeah, feel like it was from it. those, I, yeah. that was a part of it, but it was mostly that those years of abuse that he had to endure at the hands of his father. That, that's that's what sent him over. Oh, I definitely think that was the gasoline. But what happened in the last episode was a flame. Like, that was a match. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure put him over, but... If she wasn't dead, would he walk in the house and done that? If she wasn't dead? Yeah, she wasn't dead. But he walked in... He walked in the house on the moon. Like, he, like she just said... Like Robson said, they walked in the room smiling, giddy, like they were happy. If he hadn't done that... But you also gotta remember what Montrose said to him the night before. He told him how proud of him he was. Like mm-hmm. Atticus went to bed happy. You know what yeah. I mean? He felt That's what I'm good. And his father. That was, the, was that was a complete letdown. A yeah. complete letdown for Atticus. Like yeah. he this, thought, thought this is from, he had some breakthrough. Yeah, years of abuse. Yeah, definitely. That that got him mad. But like when he was throwing fists, he wasn't throwing fists because of Titus's pages. He was throwing right. fists because he beat his ass for years. And he finally got a chance to let it out. And later on, he even says, like, yo, he's imagined killing him so many times. Yeah. Right. He said, would, she said, would you kill him? He said, yeah, I imagine it. But at the same time, you see how when he looked at Letty, he's like this. Did you take pictures? Did you take pictures? Where, did you got pictures? He's worried about what's to come. But Addie is looking down the pipeline and say, yo, the best way I explain it, anything that's happened in the society, in the world, the only people that survive is people that prepare for it. And Atticus is looking down the pipeline like, yo, I need to prepare for everything coming down that's coming. Like, mm-hmm. we've, experienced, we've experienced things we've never thought existed within the last weeks. So now every gun, every gun, every ammo, bullet I can ever possibly have, you took away from me. I could have translated these pages, but the person that could have easily translated, you just killed. The pages that I had, you just burned. Like, I understand you just beat the living hell out. I understand you beat the living hell out of me my entire life. But, yeah, that was the gasoline. Like, that that was always been there. That's never going to go away. That's always going to be there. I think but, he would beat his ass eventually. One day, they were on a collision course. Atticus was going right. to whip his ass one over this or over spoiled milk. He was going to whip his ass over something one day. Look at the way he talked to him when he came to rescue him. No, I feel just, yeah. because put, like, him, put him right back in that little boy mode. Oh, yeah. He beat his ass. He traumatized Letty because Letty had seen a side of him that she had never thought even existed. Atticus didn't even think that side of him existed. So that was that was pretty wild. And then he storms off looking for pictures. Letty comes down with a baseball bat because she's ready to crack him in his skull if, if she right. needs to. Yeah, that was uh that that was that was uh I mean look we don't talked about it for for all this time like that's it's a lot to unpack with with all of these scenes in this episode um right it, and she uh, didn't she didn't know what to expect you know what she was going down there because like you said she had never seen that side of him and but, who knows what she's seen in her childhood with her mom and if there was abusive situations there like she didn't know so she was just but, like. At the same time, she's never seen that side of him. She don't know him long enough to know if he had a side like that. Right. What do you mean? She grew up with him. She no. she just didn't see and, him while he went to uh, the Army of Florida. If you look at their dialogue, that's in a book, but if you look at their dialogue from the show, they never really knew each other. They never really hung out growing up. What you mean? She she said, oh, he grew up because he was in the Army for, I would say, four years. So he was going from... 18 to so I'll say he's 25 uh, now. The what do you mean? The way she is, might not know him like that. Like, yeah, like see, I, we might might have been uh, the kid. The people I know when I was a kid, they know me as a kid. They don't know who I am now. 
So, and, you know, of course, you know, you're, you're formed by your experiences. So who knows what he experienced during the war? Like, she doesn't know him. She doesn't know him. Like, like, at the same time, like, she said, oh, you grew up, like, he grew up now because of the army. But we don't go, we we never got a back picture of their life before his, before the army. So we don't know their, their history. We don't know how good friends they were at all. Like, they never we knew they, that we knew show. all we knew was they were yeah. in the club together. Yeah, we don't know, we know that they we were never, like friends. They hung out. We don't know if they really did like each other. Like none of that's ever even hinted to. Uh, all right. I mean, I could have sworn so that's, that's, that's like, she said something about are we still friends or something like that when they talk about the club. But okay. So the next scene we're with William and Ruby and ruby's decision so william comes out of the bathroom he's speaking about adapting metamorphosis to humans and this is interesting because he says that he met dr epstein right so so was dr epstein like the first person that william approached about getting the pages to hiram's book or getting hiram's pages or that's what i came to assumption and says that uh, was laughed at by the academic world until meeting Hiram Epstein. A disgraced science. A a disgraced scientist who who basically, what, knew how to do it, but was just lacking, what, magic? Is that what was happening? Now, question, um, was this before or after he had already started experimenting on the Black people? I was wondering about that myself. I would say this is before. Because why was he disgraced? Hmm. That's what I was wondering. Why was he disgraced? But Epstein didn't start doing experimentations until Epstein got into the Winthrop house. Because once in the Winthrop house, that's when Captain Lancaster was bringing Black people to uh, Epstein, right? Because somebody was bringing the bodies to Epstein to experiment on. I thought that was Captain Lancaster who we'll talk about in a little bit with the Frankenstein body. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately thought of Get Out when I saw that. Like, yeah. That, I was like, that's that little bit of, you know, Jordan Peele flair in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After explaining metamorphosis and speaking the language of Adam and making butterflies appear into the bedroom, Ruby comes to grips with the existence of magic fairly quickly. She's like, oh, magic's real? Yeah, does that scare you? And then she's like, Okay, let me tell you about my experience as a white woman. Like, just glo- d- didn't freak out or anything. Magic is just real. It's accepted. But and it's almost she- like when, when you were talking about, um, I think in an earlier episode, when Atticus was like, you know, how is she going to feel when she finds out, you know, mad- white people got magic? Oh, so yeah. Just to see how she tolerated it. Like, yes, yeah, it was like shock and all, but at the same time, tolerable like she was able to you know move on i mean it was still you know a lot of crazy stuff happening but yeah if you told me white people got magic i'm freaking out (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm gonna let i'm flat out telling y'all like yo guys let's call it right freak out a little bit she did freak out (laughs) shit we can do at this point let's call it a day (laughs) but like if ruby could come to terms with it so quickly i think hippolyta would have been fine because she's into astrology And She's science right. fiction. So I'm into all fun. that too. 
and I'm not coming to grips with that. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel day. like I feel like that's the difference too. I feel like William respected her as a person and gave her the benefit of the doubt, and not just this fragile woman who couldn't handle it. Like Atticus and them didn't give Hippolyta the benefit of the doubt. Like she's a very True. smart, intelligent woman. That's I didn't look at that from that point of view. So after Ruby comes to grips with magic and explains her experience, one thing she said that really stood out was that the people weren't scared of her as she was looking like a crazy woman. They were scared for her. And she, she said how she felt like she was being treated like a human being. I think that that's something that gets overlooked. I, I yes. think that when we speak about white privilege, we clearly get treated differently. Like in the way we have to raise children not, not that I'm a parent or anything but I can imagine like I know I vi vividly remember before the age of 10 my dad telling me when you get a car hands on the side be very respectful to the officer you know and I know white kids didn't have to get these lessons you know what I mean like they didn't yeah. have to worry about this and I know that by older white people that I know that mouth off in in the things that they can say to cops not even you know realizing that that's because perfect. We got those lessons as kids, and it's been so programmed in us, we still do it to today. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, of course, of course. But I mean, when I get pulled over by cops, I'm like, I take my keys out the ignition, I sit them to the side, I got my hands across the steering wheel, I'm like, yo, listen, I'm not no threat at all like yeah. whatever you thought like no it was just and, a and it's like, like what she said like you know this disheveled crazed white woman was still treasured and more valued than any black person a child yeah. like a child that is child. Being treated and like called an animal over this this clearly crazed white woman and you're you're attacking the child that makes absolutely no sense absolutely right. no sense but that's what it was. I mean, and to a certain degree, that's what it still is. But Ruby getting a, a little taste of white privilege and it not immediately going to her head was, was very, very cool. I, I'm, I like that, that they let her have that experience and that she instantly recognized the difference. You know, I'm glad that they didn't have her experience it. And then just, I mean, eventually they made her get a little Definitely was a uh, happy with it with the potion, but I'm glad that it wasn't like just over the top with it. I, I like the way that uh, Misha Green wrote this teleplay for this, this particular scene, for this character, this entire episode. I really very, I very much enjoy Ruby and this was really good. So William leaves Ruby with a potion and a stack of money, even by today's standards. Like Bro, there was a 20 was on the outside. At, I was looking at like, yeah, how much money does she need? <laughs> It's 1955, and there's a 20 on the outside, so I'm guessing that's all 20s. So, like, she, I mean, what the hell? Who needs that? Like, <laughs> what the price of a gallon of milk was in 1955? Yeah, definitely not. Listen, all I'm saying know. is, all I'm saying is, I'm trying to see William. That's all I'm trying to see. <laughs> 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 trying to see some, okay? <laughs> you leave me that, I'm trying to see William. Shoot. Oh, <laughs> uh, you Omar now? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, we'll get into Montrose later. <laughs> so after William leaves, the potion and the money, um, just like that, Hillary's back. Uh, Ruby's out in the street. Can we just She's say walking. real quick? Uh, I just uh, want to say real quick that um, uh, Ruby is way prettier than Hillary. Yes. Yeah. Not to interrupt, guys. 
A gallon of milk in 1955 was 93 cents. 93 cents. 93 cents. 93 cents. And she had a $20 bill at the top. Ga- gas was 23 cents. Bread was 18 cents. She wasn't driving. He left her not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what? Buy the south side of Chicago? All right. So Hillary's back. She's walking down the street. She's loving life. She's wearing black and white with red gloves. That's noticeable. That's, that's something that I noticed throughout the episode. The colors of her outfits stood out. And I think they have, have a lot to do with her temperament or, or her mentality in those situations. Mm-hmm. With the black and white and the red, she's, she's, um, I would say she's apprehensive to accept the metamorphosis into Hillary. The red, I would say, signifies how much she's in. The black and white I being got, that, like, that outfit gave me a lot of like pretty woman vibes. Yes, pretty woman vibes as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't catch. The, I like. I caught her that she had some vibrant outfits on, but I didn't catch the correlation of the color with the tone of her at that period of time. One thing I did correlate with her white skin: she was getting free ice cream. Now oh, I want to know if that's real. Is that how that works? If you're white, and you get free ice cream. That may be <laughs> the most privileged thing that I'm jealous of right now. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> upset about that. Right. I'm a little saucy about that. I want some Jack and Jill for free. <laughs> Maybe so, because she was a young single, she looked good. She looked like she had money. And it was just like a, you know, maybe the, the ice cream parlor guy was attracted to her and just gave it to her. But, I'm going to think it's just because she's white. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't know. <laughs> well, you have no business. Everybody in there was white. I don't know. I'm a, I, you know what? I'm going I'm to call Dan. Dan's my, my friend that I do G-Poppy with. I'm going to call Dan, and I'm going to ask Dan if he gets free ice cream when he goes out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. All right. So, but Dan's not a woman, so that's like you can't do that. True, true. You need to find a white woman. Like, yeah, you get free ice cream, you go out. I'm sure he's related to at least one. So we'll figure it out. So uh, the next scene we... We see, we see Letty and Atticus for the first time since Atticus beat his father's ass. I feel like I've said that like five times already. And Letty's dropping off the film because she did take pictures of the pages. Atticus grabs her wrist. He tells her, please don't go. Not please don't go. Don't uh, be scared of me. Yeah, please don't be afraid of me. And then that leads to uh, Letic- Leticus. I just Leticus! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> that, that that leads to Letty and Atticus. Uh, uh, would you say redeeming themselves from the last episode? Yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did redeem themselves. I had that thought. I'm like, all right, okay, okay. This was a better moment. All right, for, to and to "Ready to Love" by Black Atlas, which is a really good song. Um, yeah, they they got it in. They got it in. Um, yeah. I was like, like I told you, Daryl. I was like, where'd she get all this experience from already? Right. Underwear was cute. I'm like, okay. It's like she went there prepared for the moment, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, look, you know when it's gonna be. You gotta be prepared. You know when it's going you, down. You, you knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> they went from the table to the to the car. To the couch. She's like, I'm gonna go in there and act like I'm just gonna leave. And you yeah, know. right. Come on. She knew exactly what she was doing. Thank you for letting me know inside a woman's mind. <laughs> she knew exactly. They what just she was doing. they know when it's going down. So when you yeah. you see the underwear on, you're like, 
Yes. Knew. Right? <laughs> you, you just knew. You know your bra don't be matching your panties all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Daryl, take notes, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kudos to HBO. Yeah. Um, Jesse Smollett. And, and Jonathan Majors definitely redeemed themselves for the crap they pulled last episode. Uh, yeah. After the sex scene, because I think that's all that came out of that scene was just the sex scene. Like yeah. she dropped the film off, they had sex, and then it was like, "All right, let's see what Ruby's doing." I'm like, right. "Okay, Jesse Smollett." So yeah. now this is where we get um, what I feel like is the why best. do you keep calling her Jesse Smollett? Well, Sydney, I'm sorry, Journey, Journey, yeah. Journey. Journey. Call her Jesse brother's is, name. Is Damn. Up from Empire. <laughs> Damn. Oh man, I'm not editing that either. That's the nope. <laughs> <laughs> so now this next scene we get um probably are they related? Yeah, yeah. The brothers, we just said the that. brother and sister. They oh. used to have a show back in the day. Remember, it was like a whole big family of them. Yeah, it's a lot of them. Yeah, I forget what? the name of the show, but it was like a show back in the what nineties maybe. 90s? And yeah. You're gonna have me researching this tonight. <laughs> the, only, the only person on the show that wasn't related to them was like the oldest brother. He was oh, the okay. he, and he was the lead of the show. You're going yeah, to be researching this today. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard. a lot of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The next scene we get um, probably the best dialogue in the entire episode, I think, is we get Ruby saying that, what did she say? It's, it's what is it hard being a woman and being black? And in some, most days, that's good enough for her. Mm. But she's basically sick and tired of being interrupted and that's i completely understand that yeah right like that's that's such a, yeah. a, it's it's like, such can, a I just live? can i just live yeah. can i just do what i need to do without having to put on for you or I you know feel for the black woman you know be unthreatening when i raise my voice is it be you know am i looked at as oh i'm angry now whereas you know, Becky can raise her voice and it's, oh, that's just, you know, that's just her. Well, I raise my voice. I'm, you know, now everybody's scared. Rawson, I'm going to tell you why. What's that? I'm to tell you why. You remind me of my sister and my sister horrifies me. <laughs> so if you raise your voice at me, <laughs> so if you raise your voice at me. But I'm it's not that, even that. I'm, like, we, I'm I was just having this. My sister's about to tee off on me. And I'm like, yo, I remember my sister in this exact same moment before I got punched in the face. I'm like, I want to shut up me, right now. Takes, but for me, it's like, especially in the workplace, I find that when I'm assertive and I'm flat, speaking plainly, I'm yeah. still considered a threat. I'm still considered angry. Like, you know what I mean? I can't just be blunt and just say what I have to say and move on without coddling you and making you feel okay, hey. making you comfortable before I say what I have to say. If a black woman's assertive, yeah, I get the, the adjective. The adjective changes. It's not assertive. Yeah. It's aggressive, yeah, you know? that. and that's and that's unfair, you yeah. know, because it's it's not like that. Pretty much for anyone else in the world <laughs> of passive aggression, it's nobody's used to just speaking plainly right. and hearing it and accepting it. And it's like I I had no connotation by what behind what I said. I just said it. How you take yeah. it is how you take how it. You take it. That's not my problem. So it's like I didn't, you know, I wasn't smart. I wasn't loud. I wasn't. I just said it. So because you in, in, internalize that, however you internalize that, now that becomes my problem. 
Right, and that's not fair. Like in Ruby's situation where she's talking about being interrupted, I feel like, you know, she's educated. If Mm. she could just go in and she can get the job on her own merit, but no, she's being held back by the fact that she's Black. And it's just like those interruptions. If I could just live, if I could just do what I need to do without being initially judged or being held back or whatever, it's just, just let me live. Let me do what I want to, you know, need to do. Yeah. Without having the blackness as an interruption. Right. She can <laughs> live life by her own volition. It's it's always something that's right. that's like, no, you can't do that. And obstacles that are just unnecessary that other people don't have to experience. So I feel for her on that. I definitely do. And yeah, it definitely was sad moments for her. Cause it's wild. Like once once she's given that proposition, who is Ruby uninterrupted? She's like, all right, I'm going to take who I am, but I am going to change my skin color and watch me work. And she goes in, I mean, Money by Cardi B's playing. She walks right. in the marching She gets the assistant manager job, and she's wearing all red. Because to me, her wearing all red is like, all right, I've embraced this white skin. Yeah, her resume. Whereas that all her... That's what I was about to say. I was like, I feel like that was probably her own resume, her yes. own education. And she walked in there and got a management position where all <laughs> she wanted initially and all she expected was a sales position. And she walked in with her resume and got a management position. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the manager even said, he was like, I should be worried about you taking my job. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I said, it's a shame. She wouldn't even have been able to get through the door if she was black. Definitely. At all. You know, but I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, but this is another instance where Lovecraft Country will will set something out and resolve it immediately. Because who is Ruby uninterrupted? And then you see, white woman with Ruby's resume gets an assistant manager position immediately. They let you know this is who she is uninterrupted. Like right. if if she didn't have things holding her back, Ruby. I mean, who knows? Power Ruby, Ruby is the powerhouse. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Ruby's Ruby's amazing. Um, Absolutely. And like I said, I don't know if you guys called that before, she is much prettier than Hillary. Yes. <laughs> she definitely is. I got that last time. I think Sean did. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Mumi Mosaku. I, yeah, I was mispronouncing her, le- or her uh, name last episode. I was butchering it. <laughs> but Mumi Mosaku. Yeah, she, she's, yeah, she's beautiful beautiful and and she has to get some type of award consideration for the portrayal of oh my god i think she and and journey are the standouts in this series i love the women in the series for me this series is jury said like episode one episode three that is very centered around the women like the women are in the forefront of the show and i love that yeah now Paul tries to give Ruby a tour of the department store, but she's going through her change. So she runs out of there immediately, forgets the vial with the potion. And what happens to that vial? I want to know. Yeah, because he just picks it up and return it to her or. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And then it's like, is it triggered? Like, is it because she doesn't know how to control it yet? Or is it is her change triggered by the stress or the excitement or you know what I mean? However she's feeling at the moment. I think it's, is that it's time it? it's time oriented. Like it has like just the time limit. But one thing okay. we definitely did. One thing I'm I don't want to go back, but we definitely didn't talk about 
was her first change when she got back to the house. That threw me through a loop. When Oh, the initial change? When, yeah, when William was literally sitting there with a knife cutting her through. Yeah, I found that, like, he had the knife up in the air, like, going yes. down. So wouldn't that still cut, like, stab through her? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that was a little strange. I was like, what, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. That was, yeah, that was a little strange. Because uh, I guess what, it's, if it's your first transformation, you have to be cut out of it. I guess so. Like, he just said he wanted to help her. Easier. Yeah, he wanted to help her through it. Yeah, because because what happened? It gets easier the more you do it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it must be like harder the first. So that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it was yeah. So she sheds for a second time on the elevator on the way out. Now I'm guessing after she sheds her skin, she just walks back home, or I don't know. They they just pick right up. In, in the next scene. Yeah, that's what I said. Was there like a back door? Because she just, she bust out. I'm sure she was naked, bloody. bloody. This, you know, big black naked bloody woman. Right. Walking through right. the streets. Like, how did you? <laughs> yeah, that's going to alarm some folks. <laughs> like, that yeah. would alarm me in today's society. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's going on right now? It's not right here. Uh, the next scene, we get Bad Religion by Frank Ocean. And. Fitting. <laughs> yeah, right? And we Fitting. find out that uh, back in the museum, looking for those dinosaurs, tree wasn't bullshitting. Um, at all. Yeah, at all. Montrose and Sammy have gotten really close, and uh, they have they have some sex. Um, I will say this, guys. I've watched ninety eight percent of this episode. Ninety eight percent. Yeah, ninety eight percent. This is the two percent you didn't watch. This is the two percent I didn't watch. What what Listen. part stopped you? The, the soon as Montreal the- fucking spit a loogie in his hand, I said, yeah, I'm fast oh, I was like, <laughs> where did he get all that spit from? Yo, <laughs> thank you. I was like, soon as he spit a loogie in his hand, I was like, yeah, right. I'm done. Fast forward this. <laughs> the thing is, it was like, as soon as he walked through the door, it was like, unbuckled. Like, yeah. it wasn't yeah. even like, that was like that's arena. all he, yeah, like, that's that all he no comes there for. Yeah. Like, that's all he comes there for. Let's get to it. No talking. Let's now, get it in. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we see that Sammy goes to try to kiss Montrose. And Montrose is like, nah. Nah. And I think lit. that's the shame. I think that's the shame. I think so, too. Really. And then, like I said, even, but the sex scene still, even though you couldn't tolerate it, Sean, it still, to me, was powerful. It, it, I, like, I felt like Montrose was working it out on Sammy. I mean, I hate to say it that way. <laughs> but like, <laughs> he was just—he was working out all those emotions and all that anger and all that mm. hurt and everything. It just seemed like he was—he went through so many emotions. It seems like in that scene, just doing what they were doing. But it was just like—and then, like I said, at the end, it was like shame. It was like I, you know, I've seen scenes like we—we where... we got to get the biz. Like we—we we here. We know what we here for. I don't want all the lovey dovey. I'm not yeah. you know yeah. here yeah. for that. Like I—I I definitely see some gay scenes in the movies or shows. I'm like okay. But this was like literally. So as he spit that loogie in his hand, I was like, "Yeah, I can't do this one. <laughs> I, this yeah. is the one I can't do." I'm like I draw the yeah. line right here, guys. I mean, like, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't vol- like you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad in my in my opinion. It was uncomfortable, but like I said, it was more interesting to me just to see all that Montrose was going through during that scene. This makes me wonder: Has Montrose always been gay? Yeah, most definitely. Yes. You think his wife knew? 
Maybe that's why she was you think that's why she was stepping out? Because she knew yeah. that he was gay? Yeah. And I, to kind of protect him, she just let it go, like, you know, just yeah, kept yeah, the marriage yeah. going. Because that, that's, that's my guess, is because from what we've been told in previous episodes, the three of them pretty much grew up together. Dora, right. Montrose, and George. And Montrose is Dora's gay friend. But the gay friend is getting his ass beat by his father every day because he's gay. So even though she loves George, but to protect Montrose, she marries him. And then George, even though he loves Dora, has to marry Hippolyta. You know, like that's that's how it, it, it seems to me. I mean, I don't think that George is Atticus's father, though. That's that's the only thing that I don't I definitely think Montrose is Atticus's father because I think that Montrose tried to tell himself that he was straight and my only thing is I'm kind of angry with the mom too because it's like you know what you have you know what you married you know who Montrose is you've decided to accept him and whatever but don't let him work that out on your kids like what do you do like that to me like just maybe look at her like you know she ain't shit because it's like you know what he is and you just go because he can't deal with himself and live with who he is you gonna work that anger and, and abuse that you received out on my son like no how old was atticus when the mom died oh, i don't know they, the they only reference we have the only reference didn't he we say have when he was like eight years the, old or something like yeah, that that picture that's the only reference we have about the time she died because that was the last picture they took together so i mean that could have been something her death as well, because now his beard is gone. So he, who, who else can he go to? Oh, uh, you're saying maybe she wasn't around when he started beating him? Yeah. Yeah, because okay. I'm thinking her being around, that was how, how Montrose could pass. Yeah. About that but that was the question. Yeah, but then once she dies, he, he's gay. He, there's nobody yeah. he can go to. Yeah. Anything about that? Oh, yeah. Mont- Montrose, Montrose, um, He's a very complex character. Very complex character in his journey. I mean, fuck Montrose, definitely. He still ain't shit. Yeah. He, still ain't shit. <laughs> he still ain't shit. But his journey is um it's it's a it's a it's it's a beautiful journey. It's it's yeah, very right. beautiful. Because it's sad. It's, it's sad. And it's it's sad, sad because I understand why he does the thing he does, but it's like, bro, you're like making a lot of things harder. He's he's making a lot of things harder as far as his journey, but like reconciling things with himself, that has nothing to do with the things that that was that's his father tried to beat the gay out of him. And right. this is pretty much what happens. And because his father tried to beat the gay out of him, he took it out on his son. And now his son has these anger issues. And I mean, thank God that Letty's around or right. who knows like what Atticus will become. Right. You know, so it's 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 uh, it's it's generational. Well, like he said who he had to be when he was in the war, just channeling all that rage he had from getting beat and everything. He had to use that to get through the war. Mm. Think about that quote right there. How many people go to the military with that complex? Oh, I'm yeah. sure, son. How many people become police officers with that? Complex? I was about to say police officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. You get a gun faster doing that. Unfortunately, yeah. so um all right let's let's uh liven this up a bit so Mm. we go to we go switch back to ruby 
and now it's Hillary's first day at the job. Now she's wearing black and white. Now I'm thinking black and white because she's she's a black woman in a white woman's body. Like mentally, she's like, okay, I'm conscious of this right now. Because I think that when she was wearing the all red, she was milking white privilege for all it was. Now she's in the body and she's like investigating things, seeing how things work in the white community. So we see her go and talk to Tamara and going over uh, the qualifications. And we find out that Tamara isn't as qualified as Ruby initially believed. She dropped out of school in the seventh grade, wasn't aware of, of accounting classes at the Frederick Douglass building. To which Ruby, who initially, um, I would say, is, is very pleasant to Tamara, tells her after finding out her lack of qualifications that her hands are ashy <laughs> and hands yeah. her motion. Uh, what I, do we I think was about like, Ruby? what I got what? from that scene, I was just like, even as Hillary, she still can't hide her sassy, like yes. her sassiness. Like she still got that that swag. So it was just like, and I feel like her learning that the girl was an educated kind of hurt too that's where the little passive aggressive your hands are ashy came yeah. from so one thing that upset me about that scene is like when she's talking to Tamara she's like and she's telling Tamara oh you shouldn't been at your counter and Tamara was trying to break down to her everything she was doing in that time if you would listen to Tamara basically Tamara is everybody's slave okay uh yeah, yeah Tamara is definitely every I mean she's the only black one there and it's 1955 yeah. so of course so she's everybody's um, slave Ruby had no empathy for that moment. If you watch that scene, she had no empathy. So I'm not mad at you, but she still was on her high horse. I don't think she was on her high horse. I think she didn't have any empathy for the moment because she knows how she is. Mm -hmm. And she knows that as a black woman, because she even says it later, you can't be mediocre because, because being mediocre, you, you're already behind them. So you right. got to be extraordinary. So, I mean, I think that's what I think that's if, if, if there was lack of empathy, I think it was because of that. She had that moment after everything she experienced. She would never had that moment before. What I got from it was that like kind of what you said, Daryl, like it could have seemed like it was a power thing. Like now that I'm top dog, I can come tell you what to do or whatever. But I feel like it was like, yeah, I get all that. I get hear all that you're saying, but you need to be here you know, almost like little sistering her, like, like, this is your job. You need to be seen. You need to be here. Like, I get you, right. you have all this and that to do and almost like assert yourself. Like right. you right. need to tell, like, no, this is your job. Like, you know, not that. I don't think Ruby's outlook on the world was like that until after she had that moment where she had to repay the favor. What do you, the wait. moment when she had to repay the favor. Yeah. When she went, so the moment after she repaid the favor, that's when we had this huge, when she, when she had the next interaction with Tamara, and we honestly do, and we see that again. And well, that's when she's breaking down how white people are. Well, I see. Like, well, you just got back. Well, the point you just made for her with white people. I think Ruby was looking out for Tamara from the rip, because even when they go into the break room and they're all in their bullshit and Ruby's like, all right, let's get back out on the floor. Because as a black woman, she knows, all right, we can break for a little bit, but let's keep, let's go back out. And all the, the naturally born white women are like, yo, live a little, try on this black stiletto. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, that Ruby has always had that nurturing spirit. I mean, because look at how she is with her sister. 
to an extent. Uh, until her sister burned her. Yeah. 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 And while they're in the break room, Tootie Fruity by Pat Boone is playing. And that's interesting because later on, Tootie Fruity yeah. by Little Richard is playing. Mm-hmm. So that, that was really cool. What do we think about the break room conversation with their, their what, what did she call it? She basically called it the one lady called Tamara. She said she was unqualified because she was a Negro. And she said, I use the more civilized oh, yeah. word. And like, you see, you see. And props to Jamie Newman, the actress playing Hillary, because she gets Ruby's little nuances so well. Right. Um, even her movements, the facial expressions and everything. She, she does, she does a, a really good job embodying Ruby in a white woman. It's real impressive. She does a really good job. Really good job. And, you know, we said that in the, in the first time we saw her, that she was a very interesting character, even when she I liked her. Even I liked full, her. Of, full of racism, but... I loved her. Like, I'm, I'm not saying racism or anything like that, but as a character watching the show, I'm like, yo, she's very intriguing. Like, she's different. Like, her dialogue, every time you see her on camera, she's interesting. Like, her scene, whatever she's in, she's doing something that captured your attention and how she portrayed the role. Jamie Newman extremely talented. She's really, really well. Did really well. So after you leave the break room, we get to the end of the shift. They're all walking out to their vehicles. Then we see William waiting. And William propositions Hillary. Well, cashes in on the favor that he needs. What did he say? He says that bag and that box in the back has your name on it. Is that what he says? Or how about how she just made it a point to not kiss him as Hillary? Like, to me, it was like, you know, you're going to, even though she was getting the privilege of being this white woman and, you know what I mean, whatever, she still had that insecurity. Like, no, you're going to want me for me. Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's how he wanted her initially. So she wants to maintain that. All right. um, Next scene, we go to the lodge party where, oh, we didn't even talk about the favor. Yeah. William William needed Ruby to basically be a cocktail waitress and serve hors d'oeuvres at this lodge party. And she will be running into Christina, who will give her more instruction. So we get to the lodge party, and Captain Lancaster and all his cronies are there. And they're basically talking about, what, Lancaster moving up within the organization, pretty much? Yeah, I hear him mention the pages and all this stuff, but I couldn't really make out what they exactly were talking about. Yeah, I think for the most part, it was just basically about him just just on a power grab, just something about Christina bringing them the pages and the Ori, just the, I guess the line of succession in in the Sons of Adam has been broken because Christina is a female. So now people are trying to find out who's going to be the one that's going to move up. Ruby meets Christina for the first time. Christina tells her that William is the rightful heir to this lodge, which I think all, that p- bit of dialogue tips off William's secret by Christina saying that he's the rightful heir to all of this. And then Christina hands Ruby, uh, it looks like a rock with a hieroglyphic on it. Right. Uh, to basically just put into Captain Lancaster's desk. I don't know what this is going to do. I guess we'll find out in a later episode, to which Ruby initially refuses. But then Christina says, do you really have feelings for William? To which or this, what he can do for you. Yeah. Or what he can do for you. Right. Now, do we think that Ruby has feelings for William? Somewhat. Yeah, but then later on in the episode when 
Letty is in the bath and she talks about how quick she falls in love. Right, right. She's so, just like a mother. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it might be just like this infatuation and the wonder that he's bringing her and she just in love with the lifestyle that she could possibility of it. So, I mean, I don't know if she loves him or she, I mean, she might like him and he, I think she's intrigued. I think I she cares for him. Yeah, intrigued. That's yeah. a better word. Yeah, I definitely think she's intrigued. So as Ruby's dropping this uh, hieroglyphic off in the Captain Lancaster's desk, she's, all she has to do is just leave. Just, just go out the door and go right back to serving hors d'oeuvres. But she hears that guy in the closet that we heard in the last episode and decides to go <laughs> investigate it. Right. So um, not in the last episode, in the third episode. So then she decides to go investigate it. We see a guy in there with um, some stitching on his face, his tongue's ripped out. And I don't know how long he's been there, how he's still alive. But well, he smells, so. <laughs> definitely smells. <laughs> been there a while. And as Ruby's investigating that sound, Captain Lancaster and his boys are coming. So she jumps into the closet with him. Captain Lancaster says he's sweating like something. He didn't say sweating like a pig. It was, some, it was an expression I've never heard before. And he takes his shirt off, and then we find out that uh, is I don't know what's going on. Is is, <laughs> is it black skin? Is it like leather? Is he like Frankenstein? It's like the torso. Oh. That's what it is. It's yeah. the torso. It's so odd. <laughs> the head and arms are sewed yeah. onto this torso. Best way to explain him, he looks like what's um, number one from Umbrella Academy. Oh, Luther. He looks like Luther. Looks like Luther from Umbrella Academy. Yeah, yeah I, I initially got like because even the guy in the closet, his neck looked black. So and he was sewed together, and so I initially thought, okay, the relation between the the captain and Hiram, maybe Hiram did some experiments in furthering his lifespan. You know what I mean, like using black bodies to you know for health or whatever. Yeah, could that be what this is? I don't know. There now because we're talking about it now, they're going to resolve it next week. That fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that definitely was a black body. Yeah, it was like, definitely a black body. That was a black torso. So, so like Captain- I said, he did he did have relation with Hiram, so who knows? Yo, Captain Lancaster may not even be really Captain Lancaster. Right. It's probably mm-hmm. somebody else. It's probably Hiram, but I don't know. That's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. Um, Ruby, of course, ended up getting out of there safely. And um, then, is it the, uh, the next scene? Did we talk about Tick and his dream? No. That actually, happened before that. Right, right, right. That's right. The lodge party split up into two scenes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then the, okay, then we go back to Leticus and uh, <laughs> and he's having a nightmare. And in this nightmare, uh, it's pretty much the same uh, way he got out of the uh, Artem Lodge in the second episode. Uh, but this time he sees himself in the dream. He sees himself in the fire. And does he see himself as Titus? Is that who he is? I don't know. All I see is the ancestor running. She turns and she says something, but we don't know. He's trying to find out what she's saying. And then all of a sudden he catches fire. And he's dressed like like he belonged there. Like these were clothes yeah. I've never seen Atticus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I was wondering if, if in this dream that he's having, if he's Titus. But one of the biggest things I caught from that scene was the ancestor, the book she was running with. The, I, I'm hoping Atticus caught that. Oh. 
Well, what was the book? Did you see I it? I don't know. No, she oh. ran out with a book. So I'm thinking she had the book of Adam. So the book's probably out there. Yes. I'm thinking she had, she left with the book. But they showed that scene for a reason. Yeah, the, the ancient dawn or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The book. Yeah, the, no, the bylaws got burned. No, the bylaws got burned. But this, yeah. this is like the this book. The, the book. Yeah, what is the name of the book? I thought it was called the Book of Adam. That's what I was calling it. The Book of Adam. <laughs> like, Adam, Book of Adam. Son of Adam, Book of Adam. Like, that's Everything, everything's about Adam. <laughs> the Necromama, the, I don't know. The Book of, the book of Life. What's it called? The Book of Life? The Book of the, Name the, of Life? The Necromicon. The Necromicon. The Necromicon. The Necromicon. Yeah. All right. So no, we got it. We got that's it. the Book of We're Dead Names. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. All right. What's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's, the one, what's the one with living names? No. <laughs> but whatever that is, I, I'm almost positive. When you watch that scene again, she ran out with it. Okay. Right. So like, like, House on Fire. Why are you running out with a book? Yeah, she knows, she knows the significance of that book. Yeah, she probably buried it somewhere. And that's my problem. I think Atticus missed that part. Like, yo, she got the book. Like, she got everything. Yeah, he'll he'll come to that realization in like episode nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up from the nightmare, and then Atticus tells Letty uh, what happened to Yahima because she couldn't piece it together herself, and which made no sense. Surprising, right? You know? And she's horrified, justifiably. Did that happen in her house? You know what? Hold on. She's horrified. Wait, didn't she kill Dell in the second episode? Didn't she hit her in the in the head with a shovel? We don't know Dell died, man. We just know Dell got knocked the hell out. That was survival. That was survival. We just know Dell got knocked the hell out. I mean, I don't know. She's a murderer. Dell could be dead or she could be knocked out. We don't know. I I think Dell's dead. She hit her with the tip of that shovel. Right in the forehead. She's gone. She's gone. Oh, yeah. So after uh, Atticus tells Letty about Yahima, she freaks out. She she basically denounces everything that they're doing is evil. Um, to which Atticus retorts, "It's what you do with it." Yeah. And this this he's kind of like falling back into his idea of how you beat this thing is by using their tools against them. You know, but so, what killed me about Letty? She was all for it in the beginning. She was all right. for yeah. She she's definitely for, she's for it as as so long as it's a collaborative effort. You know that's mm-hmm. that's the vibe I'm getting for. She doesn't want anybody going out and doing shit by themselves because that's how people end up dead. True. So after after all of that, he, he says it's what you do with it, and then she he's no. Actually, this is what kind of got me. What kind of pissed me off about Atticus, and it it also pisses me off about black people and and uh, like his father abused his his father abused him growing up, and then he just beat the shit out of his father, and now once he tells Letty that his father killed Yahima, and she's horrified, he he resorts to protecting his father. In her eyes again, saying yeah. he did it to yeah, protect that upset me. me. Like that upset me. Yeah, he's like, trying to yeah. excuse what he just did. I'm like, no, don't fucking make excuses for him. You know, but that's just like us in America. Like we go through so much, and still, this is home. So we still defend it. We still come back. Right. We still stay. You know, because it's the only home we know. 
And, and that's a good analogy. And that's the, the what, that's what's going on with Atticus. Yeah, that's life. a very good analogy. You know, so because Atticus, the, like he protects his father, that's the only home he knows. Right. You know, so that that was something that that kind of kind of pissed me off, but it's not unprecedented. You know, it's something that we've gone through, we've seen millions of times. Um. So after that, we we did the planting of the evidence. Um. Oh, Sammy's drag rehearsal. Sean, did you watch this part of the episode? Bro, yeah. Okay. So we get Sammy's drag rehearsal, where it's pretty much just a locker room where, I mean, they're in Sammy's apartment, but like it's that locker room vibe. Everybody's in there just basically mm-hmm. talking shit. Montrose in there looking creepy. <laughs> I mean, he's still struggling, but you see he's... He's, he's still... He think his son going to pop the door and whoop his ass again. He's, he's going through a lot right now. <laughs> he's, he's going through a change because I think that in, if this was prior to this moment, after him and Sammy did what they had to do, he would have he left already. Right. You know, I yeah. think him hanging around with all of them is, is he, the tide starting to turn within him. He, he reveled in the moment and a little bit. Yeah, like no, him being was saying maybe like, it was just that's all he had. Ex- maybe they yeah, were all same. he had. Like Daryl just said, like he's tired to turn. I don't think he ever fully just let go and experience that. Right. Yeah, but Raj just said something interesting. Maybe that's all he had because sure. after Atticus beats his ass, his brother's dead, his wife mm-hmm. is dead. Like, what else does he have? So, so yeah, that could be it. He he ran into Sammy's arms because that was it. And now this life is available to him that he's probably always wanted. And now he fit, he really feels like he has nothing holding him back from it now. Right. So that's, and, and in that way, I feel like, in that way, I feel like Montrose's story is sad. But what comes out later, I think is, is really beautiful for everything that he's going through. It's for him to have that that realization and acceptance within himself, I think, is really good. Now, how he reconciles that with his son, we'll see. But Sammy's drag rehearsal, it was cool. Um, they just got on Sammy about Montrose never kissing him. It was just, it was, it was, it was harmless. I hate that. I shouldn't have said harmless locker room fun, but like harmless locker room fun is such a problematic thing in today's society. Yeah, that banter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it wasn't, it was, it's what I would imagine locker room talk would, would ideally be, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was truly harmless and they were just getting on Sammy a little bit and it was, it was cool that Montrose stuck around. The next scene we get. But, what well, hold on, oh, now we got to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that too, but I just want to bring up too in the locker, in the locker room scene, they also talk about the locust migration too. See, I didn't uh, notice Sammy, that. Sammy was basing his performance off of yep. the African locust. The, the locust, my, he called it, lo, uh, what, uh, it was like a Spanish me, word, lo, Locosta Migratorium or something mega, like that. Yeah, Migratory, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, they brought that kind of, tied that back into it too. True. Okay. Yeah, that's something I, I didn't, didn't even realize on the fourth or fifth viewing of this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then we got to go back a yeah. little bit as well to what um, happens immediately after Ruby plants the evidence. We get the scene of Hillary in the department store again. This time, she's wearing... Losing her blue. shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, losing her shit. 
<laughs> this time she she realized white people got magic and ain't shit she can do about it. <laughs> she was like, they got shit you wouldn't even believe. <laughs> yes. Hey, I like, love girl, get your shit is, together. Yeah, I, I love I how love everybody that. in the store caught the conversation, but then try to brush that shit the fuck off. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. People were turning like, they, like, like white people knew they were like, yeah, we got some shit you don't believe. Yeah. They probably don't even believe it. Yeah. But in I'm this, sure it's only a limited percentage of people that actually know about this. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's definitely higher ups. Yeah. And in this scene, Hillary's wearing blue. And it's not the, it's not the black and white or red that she's typically worn. And even now, her attitude yeah. about things is even different. Because now, she doesn't see some shit. She's freaking out. So I thought that was an interesting choice um, in, in, in an outfit. Yeah. And I feel like, too, like she's only seen the fun part of magic. Yeah. The harmless, well, what she thinks is harmless. She doesn't realize in magic, they always say there's a give and take. There's always oh, whatever yeah. you get, you, you know, there's a, there's a reverse. So she's starting to see that, oh, this is real. Like, the, it's a dark side to it. Like, do you really want this? Are you sure? Oh, yeah, the cost of magic. Yeah. And while talking to Tamara and basically breaking down to her all the fucked up ways white people are with their magic, she, I guess, invites everyone to the South Side um, through Tamara. Yeah, to kind of cover up the, the talk. Yeah. So then they end up in, is, is that, I guess Sammy is, Sammy's is like the only bar in town. So they all end up in Sammy's. There's a, yeah, hold on. They're in Sammy's. It's definitely Sammy's because that's where um, Ruby was singing in the last episode. Oh, okay. But Sammy's not there because Sammy's got his party going on. So, Sammy got Montrose over right now. Why, 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 he, why, why would he be there? <laughs> you're right. And in this scene, we get all the, the co-workers at the, at the bar, at the club, and you, you get that, that fascination that white people have with black culture in this scene. They say the most vile, fucked up things, but they hear that music, they see those dance moves, and they want a piece of it. It's um, almost like the definition of cultural appropriation. It, mm. Yes. And, and that was, uh, this, this was like the birth of it in this episode. That, that culture vulture. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby sitting there as Hillary, and I mean, is she disgusted? Is that what happens? Like she's she's just sitting there, and she yeah. has this look on her face, and she doesn't go out to dance. She decides she's going to go out back, and she's going through her her change. And this time, a metamorphosis. Yeah, she's going through a metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, and this time, she breaks the vial because she doesn't want to take it now, and she sheds for a third time. After she's done shedding, she peeks through one of the uh, holes in the fence. Well, can we talk about that convenient coat that's right there? Oh, I, I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even look at see this. Well, okay, coat. she's naked and bloody now. She's in an alley, and there's like this convenient trench coat sitting right there on a box. Just like <laughs> she plotted <laughs> this. <laughs> right? <laughs> she knew. She's playing. She Rossi, you already that. told me. You already gave me the insights in a woman's mind. She planted that shit. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no, nothing no one going to tell me anything different. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. So after she uh, clothes herself with the super convenient 
coat just sitting there. She, and she's getting better at the transformations at this yeah, point. She's definitely getting better. Definitely yeah. getting better. She's shedding the skin so easily now. Yeah. Um, she peeks through the hole and she sees Paul, the manager of, what is it, Marshall Fields yeah. with Tamara. And he's trying to rape her in this scene. And and Tamara bites him. She bites him, right? Is that what she does? Does she bite him or does she, she does scratch him? She does I don't know. Yeah, she does something to to free herself, and she takes off. To which uh, Paul Hughes, the Norman Rockwell family painting guy, yells out to her, uh, calling her a nigger bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, Bro, I'm like that shit was hard. Like it was. It's uh, that was like because the the. First, the rape scene itself is is the, the the rape itself is difficult because you see that it's 1955 in the show. You're so many years removed from slavery. These people were free and you're still employing like slave master tactics. You're still trying to rape this black woman, even though you're married with with a family at home, you know. Right. Um, just because you feel like that's where you are in the hierarchy of society. And you're and you you're entitled. Yeah. You're entitled, yeah. How do we feel about that scene? Do we want to keep talking about that scene? Or... Um, I feel like, I feel like um, we know, okay, now we know why Paul hired her. You know what I mean? Even though she wasn't qualified, maybe he was that fetish, that, what do you call it? The black fetishism, it's mm-hmm. called. And he thought because she's black she was going to be easy and he could eventually get it i don't know if he's already gotten it but it seemed like she just wasn't interested in trying to fight him I, off and just wasn't comfortable th- with the situation i think ruby realized the reason why she got hired too also the same right. like you just said like paul had like she knew her qualifications ruby's qualifications is way more than her like ruby deserved the job but because she's a black woman in america in 1954 no that's not going to happen but when she seen an interaction with Paul, she realized, like, yo, this is why he hired you, because he thought he could do this to you, because right. you were this skinny black woman that he thought you were frail and weak, he was tragic to you, and he thought he could get away with it. Yeah, he wasn't right. doing that shit to Ruby. No. Ruby, right. what was And like, he didn't I, do it to the white women, either. At all. Oh, of course not. He didn't do it to the white women. So like I said, that's that whole, that black fetishism. It's just, he knew, or he felt he knew he can, who he can do it to. Yeah. And who's going to believe Tamara? Right. You know. What's the odds of her actually saying something? Because of course she doesn't want to risk right. losing her job. What, what yeah. is the worst repercussion she's going to come, come into? Right. None at all. Um, but that's what stopped women even now, today. Yes. It's, you know, what's the, you know, who's going to believe me? I went over there dressed a certain way, even though I, I stopped it when I thought I could. It, it's always that, well, well, what did you do to warrant this action or whatever? It's always you blame yourself. It's like, well, what could I have done differently to, you know, make this not have happened? So it's like you always questioning yourself in that situation. That's why a lot of rapes don't get reported because yep. or assaults don't get reported because it's like okay well what did i contribute to this to make this happen and who's going to believe me and you know is it worth losing my job it, do i tolerate that little extra flirtation or that extra touching or you know what i mean because i want to keep my job yeah that's that's sad it's, it's, yeah i'm gonna say that's sad 
it shouldn't be like that. It really shouldn't, but it is unfortunate. Yeah. And it's been like that. Our our society but, has been built on that type of shit. So. But that's a culture that we has we have to change. Oh right? yeah, yeah. There's there's a bunch of societal norms that have been handed down from a, a white patriarchal standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 what's acceptable by society. This whole because all right. In in the last episode with Yahima, Yahima is is of two spirits. Now, further into that culture, the Awakwas, um, they believe that there's like five different characteristics. There's man, there's female, there's the two spirits, there's man and female, and then I think there's like female and man. That something that's just flipped around, something like that. But they believe that it's five, and you know, like this whole just man and a woman thing, that's that's patriarchy. That's that's where that structure comes from. Um that, that's, a, a lot that's, of things. Um a lot of the, the way like what things that we accept and things that we don't accept. Um, that's European culture trying to be enforced upon everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. You're European yeah. I mean but but what's European culture? Like, <laughs> what is uh, so? Uh, it's do they even know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go to you go to England, their shit stolen from India. Like you, like you travel through England. I'm like, yo, where did you get the knowledge to build these castles from? The Moors from Africa. Do you even know that? Um, <laughs> and that's that's like um, Doom, the the the, the movie that's coming mm-hmm. out, the movie and the mm-hmm. book and everything. It's based on Indian society, like like it's it's Middle Eastern um, society. That's that's basically what the, mm. the the basis of that is. And it's crazy how the, in the movie from 1984, and if you look on IMDb from the movie now, that movie is based in in Middle Eastern society. Yet there's not a mm. single Middle Eastern person involved in the production of either one of these films. So that's a perspective that you're not even getting in this movie. Mm. But like, all right, let's. Well, I'm going on a tangent right now. Let's <laughs> let's uh, talk about let's talk about Montrose at Sammy's Drag Ball. Let's talk about that and and all that oh. red in the room. Um, yeah. uh, Lonely World by Moses Sumley is playing, and in this scene uh it's it's basically the butterfly coming out of the cocoon that's basically what this is montrose has accepted himself for who he is he's embraced it signifying it by kissing sammy in front of everyone and in this moment i mean montrose ain't shit fuck montrose but i'm happy for him very happy for him it's like it's like he, he took his first breath like this yes. first breath of life like when they lifted him up it was just so freeing like I, like you said i felt i felt good for him i felt bad for him but it was like you know like you said at the same time he ain't shit but in that moment it was just it was freeing like i felt like i was holding my breath and like when he just released i took a breath with him like yeah. it was yeah. just like you know it was it it was definitely um deep that's like that's probably the first time he's gotten a chance to be himself right since he was a little boy do you think do you think his temperament will change as a character oh yeah i I would think it would have to going forward if it doesn't that's a waste of this development right because it was definitely an awakening yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I think that everybody in this episode in particular is going to come out of it different. I think that everybody in this episode um, is reaching their final form. I think that Montrose has accepted who he is and now he feels free. Um, Ruby, we're going to continue on. And I think that Ruby um, becomes free as well. I think Atticus and Letty um, in their union together have taken the next step forward. I think that everyone is pretty much, I feel like this was the last episode of exposition as far as character development. Now I feel like going forward, we're just letting the characters live, live out however the rest of this thing is going to play out. We're not explaining yeah. anything else. Well, no, because they're explaining Gia because that's another thing. Damn. Huh. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so Montrose accepts himself, and um, I think that's the last time we see him for the rest of the episode. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Then we go to Ruby. He has realization. Then we go to Ruby, and uh, this was – I found this funny. When, <laughs> when we see Ruby, she's sitting on the couch, and, like, the skin of Hillary is just next to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like the piece just hanging there. I'm like, ew, move yeah, right. <laughs> Like, oh, gosh. Yeah, just just sitting there. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so she dragged her skin with her back home and just threw it on the couch. Um, just a hump just hanging from her ear. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, Christina walks in, surprising Ruby, and... Um, they talk and 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 Christina basically tries to say that she can relate to what Ruby's going through. And Ruby's right. Like, Ruby's and like, Ruby calls her bluff, like bitch, yeah. you can't BS me. Like I ain't falling for it. Yeah. Like stop but, right there. Ruby <laughs> asks Christina a question, and I'm very curious. What's in the basement? Yeah, what's in the basement? She definitely asks about that. Um, she asked William that, and she asked Christina that. Um, they just glazed over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after she, after Ruby shuts down Christina, Christina basically tells her that, like, yo, with magic, you can pretty much do whatever the, the fuck you want. And this is when she, she um, tells her, yeah, she tells her you can do whatever the fuck you want. Magic allows you to have unmitigated freedom. So mm-hmm. when she says that, um, we get back to Hillary. Now Hillary is going over to to Paul to basically resign because she wants to bang him. And, <laughs> and Hillary's wearing a leopard print dress this time because now she's the hunter. So she uh basically gets Paul to undress himself and everything. Oh, Bodak Yellow's playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Cardi B. Um, she gets him undressed. She basically hog ties him. As she's going through the fourth shedding, she takes all, she takes off that, that naughty black stiletto and proceeds to sodomize Paul with it as she's shedding. Um, That's, that, that, that was a lot. That was yeah, a lot oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, this That's whole episode was a lot. And before that even happened, like just to, for the reason he wanted her in the office to fire Tamra, right, right? All of a sudden now because she won't, she didn't put out. So yeah, so Tamra's got to go. Yeah, yeah. He's explaining this to her the entire time. She's like undressing him. 
Like, yeah. I, I ain't shit either. Um, so yeah, so but that's that whole dominatrix thing with is tip those typical, you know, those men who are always in control and always, you know, they're in the power and they like that that power taken away from them by someone. Like you know that whole dominatrix scene. BDSM. He he's definitely into that. Yeah. Um, she so, told him to suck on it. Yeah, yeah. He, right? lubri- he lubricated his own person. <laughs> yo, really? and, yo, and no hesitation. Soon as she said suck on it, he was like, give me. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, he didn't know what was happening. It's not it's not his fault. I mean it is or did he? <laughs> <laughs> or did he? Goodness. So after he gets sodomized, Ruby sheds for the fourth time and leaves, telling Paul that that uh, he should know that, or she wanted him to know that a nigger bitch did this to him. Yeah. Um, Wait, but how about the guy on the TV? That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Zooming in on the guy on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. I love how they cut that scene. The, yeah. All right. And then we go on to um, Leticus again. And they basically, um, like, you see the, the evolution in their relationship in this. Right. Scene. Yeah. They're having yeah. this conversation. It's real heartfelt. Um, and they both basically, they air it all out. And they're she, definitely being vulnerable with each other, like, you know, which, which isn't really seen. Right. She's she's opening up to him about how she felt, thinking that they had something going on, and then he's trying to go back to Florida, and then him opening up finally about Gia, and this is the first time we ever hear anything about her other than her name, and seeing her try to kill him in the second episode yeah. in that uh, Twilight Zone room. Um, right. So he talks about Gia, says it was strange how it ended. He doesn't know if what they had was love. Uh, Letty says she felt some type of way about him leaving when they thought they had something special going on. And then they both pretty much just say that they neither one of them had good examples of love. And and I think that that's, that's something that I've talked to people about, that if you come from a place of love, that's what you're going to give going out more naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you come from somewhere where there's chaos and there's turmoil, that's what you're going to project out into the world. Because that toxicity, yeah, I actually believe that. You know, because that's that's what that's how you were raised. So to you, that's the normal. That's the way things right. should be. You know, and and that, and that probably is the reason she was a virgin for so long. Because because she was saying earlier, she actually says that her mother would fall in love what every two minutes, and Ruby was the same. Mm-hmm. So I guess seeing that she didn't want to be that, she wanted it to be more. And they both say that they both pretty much had no good examples of love. And in this scene, they're they're basically like verbalize to each other. They're willing to get past what how they were raised. They're willing to to try to make it work, you know. And that was cool. And and I and I thought that was that was really good for for the development of these two characters because the whole will they won't they hot cold thing. If they want to keep that up for the entire season, that was going to grow stale real quick. Well, was this was any of this in a book? I'm curious. No, no, no. There's there's no like major romance in the book. Like this is this is all uh, TV shit. But I'm not complaining. It's, it's I ain't uh, complaining. I, I'm just curious. 
yeah, yeah, nah, no, nah, this this type of stuff. Like this chap, this is one of the longer chapters in the book, and it's it's pretty much just primarily focused on Ruby. Like you don't see anything else, you don't hear from anyone else because the whole Montrose shit that's going on right now. This is all TV stuff. None of that's in the book. Montrose, okay. yeah, Montrose um, being hard on Atticus is in the book, but that it's because of his own repressed anger because he wasn't allowed to be who he was, that's all Misha Green's thing. But, all right. it, but Mont- so is he is Montrose gay in the book? He's not. Yeah, he's not. Oh, this okay. is this is all new. Yeah. His his abuse oh, in the book. Okay. Yeah, his abuse in the book was just because his father's family came from um they were des- descendants of slaves and that's how his father raised him was was with that iron fist. So that's nice because it, it still leaves a little excitement for you, like someone who's read the book. You don't really know what to expect now. Like, you know, you might oh, have a little insight, but, you know, you don't know what they're going to change. You're in uncharted territories with us, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, and that started happening, I want to say, like the last episode. But like, like, yeah, this this whole thing with Montrose, with the whole the whole gay part to it. I mean, I think it works better than just his father beat him like that and then he raised Atticus like that because this adds more dimensions to the character. Mm. Um, it gives him, I mean, it, and, and, and I've heard many men talk about beating the gay out of their sons. I've heard many people say it. Yeah, me too. And, and, yeah. To, and for to see that, okay, this is a ramifications of having that mindset and taking that action. Um, the generational trauma that it could cause, um, right. you know, the residual effects of that. So I, I think that um, I'm more in favor with this path as opposed to the way Matt Ruff did in the book. And there's a couple things in the series that I think are superior than their the source material. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much whatever is the best version is the best version. I, I don't, I'm not someone that can, can subscribe to the book is the way it should be and no, nah, because it's books don't work on screen all the time. You got to, right. you know, after the Leticus. Now they now they are Leticus. Um, <laughs> yes, so, we coined the term. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after that, we go to Ruby. Ruby's at the house. William comes into the house and right. falls to the ground and then sheds the skin. And we find out that William, as we hypothesized previously, William and Christina are one in the same. And that I'm was like, the- Houston, we have liftoff. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> that goes back to like early, early in the show, we hear that song. And when they're talking about the metamorphosis, soon as you yeah. talk metamorphosis, I'm like, Christina, William, Christina is the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the fifth and final shedding happens. And then we go back to Atticus, who finds out um, what D, I, and E are in the language of Adam. He freaks out, immediately calls uh, Korea, talks to Gia, and Gia tells him, uh, what did she say to him? She said, because in the she first said, one, you shouldn't have left. In this one, she says to him. I think he said, now you believe me? Yeah, now you believe me. He's like, what are you? So, G is the mystery for the next episode. Um, and then she hung up on him. And then she hung up on him. Yeah. Um, 
So that's episode five, Strange Case. Um, all in all, I like this episode a lot. I, uh, I'm definitely partial to the first episode, but uh, this might be number two for me. Uh, yeah, for me, it's the first and this episode that I kind of like. I really loved the first episode, but this episode was really good, really good too. This this is my this is my money my money okay. shot. Nice. This, this this episode was great. Yeah, like it the, was. I, <laughs> all ninety eight percent of it. Yeah, all ninety eight percent of it. <laughs> it's like I wasn't expecting a lot of that shit to happen when it did. It was like it was a well shock. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. this episode could have been split up in two, but you know what? Nah, I couldn't because the pacing was fine. It, it, it goes right through. Everything happens. It's it's yeah. Nah, this episode was really good. It was really good. Yeah, really and like good. you said, like if you deep dive into it, it's so many takes you can go with. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so many. It's just so much going on. You know. So many. You you can do an entire podcast where you're just talking about the music selections from each chapter. Right, right. The poems. Like, the poem. you know what I mean? Everything. Like yeah. the timing yeah. of the poems. You know? You can do a whole podcast on each character. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention four colored girls is is what's the, the four colored girls an excerpt from that is what's playing. Yeah, when Ruby when Hillary first, first yeah. 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 Which, which was, was which was kind of interesting because, like you said, it's like she's loving at this point. It seemed like she's loving and exploring the skin she's in. At the same time, a poem is playing about you know I think it's like a black girls and suicide and accepting mm-hmm. who they are and you know just loving who you are. Meanwhile, she's a you know in a white person's skin, kind of loving who she is right now. You know, right? Because right. because in in the poem, I think that they touch on um, I think some of the she like the color girl has been repressed for so long she doesn't even remember what she sounds like mm-hmm. so i'm thinking that like and showing ruby um with the white skin now she's uh, she's allowed to let herself emerge even though it's not her skin right so it was, it was interesting things going on um but all in all great episode is gia in the book gia's not in the book yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's why I said there's there's not a chapter in the book that can. Be it's seen. like no matter how much I don't really want you to tell me, it's like some shit I want to ask you, and I'm like, I can't. But it's like he can't, but he can't really tell you because he only yeah. knows from his pers- you know, from so that perspective. Right. Yeah. So we definitely uncharted territory. It's like there's there's some things that I I know are coming because I know they have to happen mm. um but the way they happen is what i have no idea about. yeah certain certain things are going to happen with certain characters both already know hippolyta stole the ori so you know mm. that's going to lead to something yeah thief. the damn thief the thief um, but they didn't even in the preview they didn't even show hippolyta and d so i don't know yeah it, we know <laughs> what's what's the plan for them if they're going to show them yeah. next episode or Off. what's going on but do we think my man still got a job? Who Atticus? Yeah, like this, no, like been this has been almost like two months. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to like think of this time frame, and I'm like, yo, this has been almost like two months. 
And then my man even call his job. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. see, I'm one of the people when I watch shows and movies. It's little questions like that that bug me. <laughs> like, Look, he good now. He got somewhere to live. He oh, got yeah. his woman. You know, okay. he good. <laughs> he went to Florida. He he left. He left. He went to Chicago on vacation to try to find his dad, and just never came the hell back. Yeah, Atticus is Tommy from Martin now. Wait, my yeah. man been doing no call, no <laughs> show since March. You ain't got no job, man. <laughs> my man been no call, no show since COVID started. Like, but none of them. Montrose don't work either. Yeah. Like, what does well, Montrose got Sammy? Sammy got the bar, so yeah. Montrose is good. He's a cat. He's a cat man. <laughs> they all cat people. All of them. <laughs> These are. The These only person the I can working, possibly, non-working black people I see. The only person that can, I can possibly see, like, oh, you making some money, like you get some money is Letty. Right. She got tenants. Yeah, she got tenants. Like, she has an income. What the hell is everybody else doing? Right. I mean, Ruby, she was always a hustler. You know, she got something yeah, Ru- going on. Ruby was a hustler. Ruby turned white for a minute, so she was getting free <laughs> shit. She had to pay for anything. Free ice cream. Like, in what world does that shit happen? I've never Damn. gotten free ice cream a day in my life, ever. Listen, I can see how a white person watching that scene will get pissed off. <laughs> ever. Like, what? I've, ne- now I've never taken it too far. I've never got free ice cream. <laughs> like, that's I'm a, a bit too far. I'm going to talk to Mr. Softy when I get to New Jersey. <laughs> the, the, the custard king, give him a call. Yeah, I don't fucking talk to his ass like this is some bullshit. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, like, we trying to do this next week? Hell yeah. All Absolutely. Right, cool. Cool. Next week is um, Meet Me at Daegu. That's the name of episode six. Well, Lydia's last guest, Lovecraft Country, episode five, Strange Case. All right. See y'all next week. All see right. you next week, guys. Bye. Have a good week.